call is now being recorded. Yeah, welcome back to the Feed the Game podcast. I got a special guest on the show this week. Uh, he's originally out of California. He's a real solid dude. He's been talking to him. We've been rocking with him for a minute now. He's got a lot of uh, cool little programs going on right now and stuff like that. He got it a couple different places and stuff, so he's going to go ahead and talk about all that. But uh, I wanted to shout out to uh, Lataxion and you out in Walla Walla right now, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. What, what's your information? If somebody wanted to get at you on JPEG, how can somebody uh, hit you up? Well, the best way to hit me up because, you know, I just got this clemency, so I'm, I'm, I'm working on my way out. So the best way to hit me up okay. is the text on at instepgangology.com. Okay, okay. Somebody wanted to email you. Okay. Right. That's what's up. Also, yes, sir. you have hosted the show, uh, Terrell Hill. That's eight eight zero six seven nine at uh, jpay dot com. So uh, it's it's good talking to you, Latexio, man. It's been a minute, man. You know we used to rock for a long time, man, and uh, rock really, you know, really, really sharpen each other's sword. But like the uh, pupil and the professor, more or less, you know. That's right. And uh, you know, it was it was it was real. It was real imperative that you know when we started this podcast that I made sure we reached out to you because I know you had a lot going on, but you had really something important to say for the world and for the uh, black communities and the communities, period, at large. You know what I'm saying? Right. So uh, my first my first. Hold on real quick. Hold on real quick. Hold on real quick. Let's on. So how would you uh, spell your name for somebody that wants to email you? L-E-T-A-X. I O N E at instep at instepgangology dot com. Okay, and how you spell instep gangology? N S T E P G A N G O L O G Y dot com. Okay, that's cool. T, go ahead. Uh knowing that you're an author, you be writing. You do. Many talented, you do many things and shit. But uh, I was curious to know. First of all, you know, can you uh, talk about a lot about whatever you feel comfortable as far as your background growing up and basically what inspired you to become an author while incarcerated in a joint? Well, my well, my background coming up is uh, it's not much different than a lot of our backgrounds. Uh, I was a part. I joined the structural gang culture when I was 11 years old, right from Fresno, California. Uh, all the while I was involved, you know, I was involved in the insensate violence. I was involved in the criminality. All of the things that uh, that made us who we were in that lifestyle, you know. But I, I realized that none of us are separate and distinct uh, from the environment that we were born into, because our environment influences, in some cases, dictates you know, in our personality constructs. So when I when I grew to understand that. I grew to understand that it wasn't my destiny to just be a gangster. It wasn't my destiny to just be a crip. It wasn't my destiny to just walk around in neighborhoods uh, uh, when the sun went down and, and gangbang. I realized that I had something more that was very deep, deep within me to offer to the world. And this is why I started using my pen and learning that, that the saying that the pen is mightier than the sword is a, is a 100% correct saying. So I started to write, and I started to put my voice out there, and I started to try to make a change amongst those who was going and slated to go amongst the same path that I followed. Because 
because I think it's imperative, like, like we've spoken about before, it's imperative that we become examples to those that are coming behind us because these are the true torchbearers of, of this cause, of our, of, our, of, of our nation, of our people, and, and of humanity. Okay, okay. That's real powerful. Uh, can you, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, uh, kind of a little bit about being an author, but about past and uh, future projects you got going on? Right. Well, as, uh, I've written and published 14 books as it stands right now. The book that I'm, uh, the book that just came out is called Concrete Roses. It's a, it's a kind of different take on the, uh, on my writing. It's, it's more of a, it's more of a novel, right? But it's a novel from the perspective yeah. of a young man who was not involved in the structural gang culture, but sought to, to clean up drugs and, and criminality from our, from our community. So it's a different take because most of my work is done, most of my work is surrounding gang violence prevention and intervention. I have another book that's getting ready to come out, two books that are slated to come out this year. I'm looking, uh, I'm looking to release Original Diamond Boy Part 2, and I'm also looking to release The Psychodynamics of the Gang Mentality. I think that I, I have a, a, a fresh look and a fresh approach on gang violence prevention and intervention because the, uh, the, the curriculum that I use is a, is a functional contextualist curriculum, and it doesn't mandate that you denounce your hood in order to be a part of, of the curriculum and a part of the process. On the contrary, I think it is mandatory that we keep intact the loyalty, the honor, the respect, and the integrity, the code of ethics, and the constitution, and the lit that we pledge our lives to, to, to uphold, but we have to eliminate the criminality and the insensate violence. And the only way for us to do that is to come through a process by which we learn to start thinking at a higher level and a higher rate of speed so that we don't involve ourselves in the physical aspect of, of the streets, right? That's important. You know, sure. because, you know, you got cats, you got cats out in the streets that want to make a move towards, you know, positivity or doing good on a prosperous level. But, you know, a lot of cats allow the peer pressure aspects of the world and the people they grew up with to hold them back. They worried about being accepted, how people are going to frown upon them from leaving the hood, how people are going to, you know, continue to look at them from a perspective that, you know, is, is abnormal to what they grew up with. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Now, exactly. now, now let's I, I got a question for you. Now, you growing up from where you're from in, in Fresno and stuff, and this growing up from in Fresno, coming up in like what what would you say, like the seventies, the eighties? Yes, sir. Seventy. I started. I started gang banging in seventy four. So I mean, in, in gang banging. I mean, where did the criminology come from? Was that always there or? Or when did that start? I mean, was it is it was it always apparent in gangs, or did were gangs something first? I mean, like for me, I mean, I was born in '92, and I I didn't really start getting involved into everything to like you know the early 2000s and stuff, just because my age and stuff like that. But talking to people coming up from you know the 70s and and all that, it's like was gang banging always anything? Was it always what it was? Was was it something different? And did did it spear off into something else or? Or how how did that happen for you, at least from your perspective? Well, what, what I think transpired on the whole is is, is when the uh, Black Panther Party was eliminated by the by the uh, by the FBI and the, the tactics, the dirty tactics and underhanded tactics that they used in order to destroy the Black Panther Party left a void in our communities, right? And and, and yeah. out of that void grew the gangs. 
Now, as I was saying earlier, that none of us are separate and distinct from the from the uh, uh, from the conditions that, that that inhabit our environment. So criminality and violence were always there because criminality and violence is a social phenomenon that reflects the condition of of primogenic social constructs, right? So the crime and the violence is already there. So what we do is, is, is we internalize this crime and in this crime and violence, and we came up with organizations that would that would uh, uh, that was a part of a normal a normal activity a normal peer group activity. The only thing that wasn't normal was the violence was the violence and the criminality. We took that on out of the environment that we came up, that we came up in. So no, it wasn't always it wasn't always gangs. And then at the initiation of, of, of the structural gang culture, it wasn't necessarily a negative thing. It was a thing that, that protected us in our communities that we were in and, 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 and disallowed the young brothers from being victims to the violence and criminality that we visualized daily on our way to and from school. So it was a good thing in its initiation, right? But because of the different external stimuli in our environment, it became something that was very negative. Hmm. Okay. That's, uh... That's some good insight, you know, because a lot of people just think, you know, uh, whether wherever you're from or wherever you represent, it's just more or less attack them. They're going to attack me. They don't understand the root and how the history evolved into where it's at today. And a lot of things, you know, based on our professors and the community at large and a lot of things that were planted into community, whether drugs or whether, you know, uh, uh, reverse psychology, they over here, just like how they did the uh, U.S. slaves versus the Black Panther Party, it's all psychological war, and it created, you know, what it is today, but just more on an evolved level. Really, to me personally, it's, it's all ignorant right now because there's no no focus. There's nobody understanding really the reason why they're doing what they're doing. They're just picking up guns. Everybody's just shooting everybody, and they're claiming, oh, they on my turf or they in my hood, woo, woo, you know what I'm saying? So... I mean, but that, 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 that T, that's funny that you said the reason, cause, but I mean, I feel like everybody got a different reason, and it's all, you know, self-justified, even though, I mean, to everybody, it sounds like it makes sense to them and stuff like that. It's like, it makes sense to you, but if you really speak about it out loud, it, it's, it really is ridiculous. And I remember, for me, like, I remember I was in middle school, and I, I was going to alternative school at the time, and... The teacher asked everybody in the cold classroom why they're gangbanging and stuff like that. And for me, I told the teacher, you know, this is what I grew up in. This is where, you know, all my family did. This is what all my family did. I might not be from the same hood or the same set as members, but this is the this is the tradition in my family. This is what everybody did. This is I'm just used to doing it. But I hearing somebody else in the classroom said the reason why they gangbang is because they got tired of uh walking home but getting beat up by certain people and stuff like that and they wanted protection so they try to join the gang with the most people in it and stuff like that so they can feel secure and it's funny because the dude and i know a lot of people that do that but they they join those gangs and for those reasons and those people get um and it's funny because that's what i was talking to m dot about in the last episode a lot of people join those gangs right but they get talked into doing the most um type of uh, violent type of demeanors or yeah, type of... They're, uh, they're the suicide bombers. They, yeah, they're suicide yeah. bombers, exactly. Right. So it's right. like, you know, if you if you were, to, if you were able to uh, veer somebody off from that path, I mean, how would, you, how would you guys go about doing that? 
Well, if you if, if you ask me, it, here's here is my position. My position is that the gang is not the issue. The gang is the gang is a is a is a normal peer activity. So that's not the issue. What we what we should be addressing, right? We should be addressing the criminality and and, and the insensate violence, right? Because here, here we are, we, we got to understand this, that, that we have a people that's living in a constant state of contradiction. We're told from children that we can be anything that we want to be in America, that we would have access at the American value system, which is wealth, uh, prestige, uh, uh, success, and, and, and so on. But then we find out that in most instances, not all instances, but in most instances, our skin color uh, uh, negates the promise of us having access to this value system. So now you create a contradiction in the, in the mind of the youth. And when you create this contradiction, it brings about frustration. And when it brings about frustration and we have no outlet for this frustration, then it brings, a, it, it brings about the, the, the violence in our own communities. So there are stimuli that are already there. Poverty, uh, uh, under, uh, lack of education, lack of proper housing, uh, 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 social outcast. These are all elements that are, that are prevalent in our community. So the, the soil is already tilled. And you, and you add to that, uh, uh, a disqualifying, uh, uh, factor in the, in the, in the, uh, in the personage of our skin color. Then you create this, 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 this contradiction, right? So now it's easy for, for a person to go outside of the home and join the gang because you're joining, you're joining on to people who have the same life experience, who have the same uh, uh, negation of who they are, right? So they're frustrated. And this is where you get the, the, the violence and the criminality. It's just a sad thing that the violence and criminality is turned in on self because you add to that, to that mix, that toxic mix, the, the hate of ourselves, right? And then now you have this explosion of black-on-black crime. Man, that's, you know, and that's crazy because that segues into uh, the next uh, question I have for you. And basically it's uh, how you feel about the uh, schools, the uh, prison pipeline that basically has been crafted by the constituents of the prison industrial complex in America. So you kind of blanked out on that question. Say that again, please. I said that, that that that's crazy that you gave us that, that, that nice answer because that segues into the next question on how do you what is your opinion about the schools to prison pipeline that has been crafted by the constituents of the prison industrial complex in America. Oh yeah. And, and that you know, when I first heard the uh the saying school to prison pipeline, I had to investigate it, right? Because we hear a lot of things and we don't really do our investigation. But I did my investigation and found out that that is 100% correct, the school to the prison pipeline. I think what happened with me was I became disenchanted with school because I'm in school and I'm learning something of everybody else's culture except my own. The only thing that I'm learning about myself is that I'm, I'm in Africa with a bone in my nose and I'm, and I'm naked. But everybody else's culture is made, <laughs> yeah. is made to seem magnificent and prestigious, so I become disenchanted with school. And when I become disenchanted with school, I become disenchanted with the, with the whole educational system. Because the educational system is not educating us in the pure sense of the word. 
because if education means to lead out of and away from ignorance, we can all bear witness that we weren't educated in school. Because if we were educated, we could have came out of those schools and didn't start doing things for self. But most of us go through school, even on the college level, and what we do as soon as we get the degree, we go back to the same people that put us in debt for going to school, and we ask them for a job. That's not an education. That's a training. And, we, and it's sad that we got a whole bunch of people well-trained but not very well-educated. Talk to me. Okay, so Letaxion, I want to ask you about the, the organization that you started and, and, and where did you derive that from? How did you come up with it? Okay, my, uh, the organization that we're speaking about is the NSEP. NSEP is yeah. uh, the nine-step to empowerment process. And where I came at it from is I used the same steps that I used in order to bring myself out of the miscreant aspect of the gang mentality and put it in curriculum form so that other brothers and sisters that are, uh, that are going through the same things that I went through or walking down the same path would have an honorable path up out of the criminal aspect of the structural gang culture. When I say honorable path is that when you ask a person to denounce his set or his hood, that person will automatically erect walls. So the part of this, this process is not denunciation. It's only self-actualization. And once one actualizes himself, then he can, he's in a better position, or she's in a better position to make a conscious decision about the, the trajectory of their lives. That's, uh, you know, I, I remember a lot from when you was just really putting it together. I remember we was at uh, WSR. Uh, That's right. Oh, five. That's right. And, uh, you know, I knew you had something beautiful on your hands, and it was so great that they was trying to snatch it up on your hand. They want to buy it. They want to. How that's right. This and, uh, uh. That's right. I'm talking about, you know, because they knew you had a jewel in your hand, not only from a monetary perspective, but for something that can be utilized in all institutions in, in America, but, you know, most prevalent in, in, in Washington, D.O.C. system. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, my question is, now that step is in motion, how do you feel that you feel want to want to put it in motion as far as in the communities? Like, do you feel that you can get with like the Urban League, the NAACP, uh, centers across the country, uh, uh, black black trusted politicians or people of influence in the community or uh, individuals in the streets who have influence so that they'll be able to push this program on to their younger homies or younger female homies. How do you feel that this program in step will be actually pushed into the street and the seeds will get planted and you can actually see your curriculum grow in the uh, communities in America right now? Right. First of all, let me let me tell you, that's a brilliant question. You always had a brilliant question, and this is why you're as intelligent as you is today. It's not so much about what you about what you hear; it's the question that you ask. But so so taking you up on that, uh, uh, just in February, uh, uh, I flew one of the NSEP representatives out to Chicago under the under the request of of uh, Congressman Danny Davis about Chicago, right? And we took part in a, a State of the Youth Town Hall meeting which is a very effective meeting. So how NSEP is going is to be inside the communities is when I, when I touched down and when the other representative 
what the other representatives are doing right now is they're teaching in-step classes and they're making the community in, in aware that there is a process out there because we have a lack of a process. We have many programs, but we have a lack of a process. We, we've been programmed too much. This is why we're in the condition that we're in. So in-step is, is, is not a program, it's a process. And what I seek to do is I seek to exercise operational and organizational unity with other organizations that are, that are, are, are not only prevalent, but that are geared to, to, uh, uh, to ameliorate the conditions in blighted communities across America. That being said, INSTEP will always maintain its autonomy because it's for us and by us. We don't want to join any other organizations. We want to work with every organization that is trying to, to ameliorate the conditions in the community, but we will join no other, no other organization. And that's important because you still want your creative, uh, you know, you, you, whatever you created, you're like you said, your autonomy and, and, and what you guys possess. Because that was one thing I remember that you was telling me when uh, DOC wanted to put their stamp on it. They wanted to buy you up, put their stamp on it. So now we're on your program. We can water it down. We can do whatever exactly. we want to do with it. Exactly. So that's real important. That's 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 real important that you know you stood strong on that because you know what you had. I mean, you exactly. know it ain't no secret. And plus, you know, you're not selling out. For you know a blue nickel or, or, or for something that looked good, but you see the vision and, and down the line, so you see the future of what you had, regardless of what they was talking. So you know that, that that's that's important too, because a lot of individuals, just like in the black community, when uh, uh, grandma or grandpa die, instead of keeping the house for future generations, they want to sell it because they talk about two hundred fifty thousand. Exactly, exactly, exactly. You know? and, 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 and and let me say this, man, and, and it's because of brothers like you, T-Mobile. You know, we, we, we didn't walk these yards for, for, for years and years and years. It's because of brothers like you that I refuse to sell out because I know that, that I have to be able to, to present a tool that, that you can get behind. You can't get behind no watered-down curriculum. You can't get behind no sell-out curriculum. You can't get behind a curriculum where we capitulate our integrity in order to just get along. You, you have to have something that identifies with your spirit. And that's what InStep does for those of us that have been, that have been trapped in the structural gang culture mentality. It identifies with our spirit and we must keep it authentic by keeping it, keeping it uh, taught by those of us who come from this real life experience. Not sociologists, not psychologists, not talking heads. We got to keep it authentic for us, man. And this is the only way that we can have any kind of success amongst the structural gang culture because once you start teaching this, the first question that they're going to ask you is, what set that is? You dig? <laughs> what, yeah. what hood you from? How much work yeah. you done put in? Yeah. You dig? Yeah. Well, you do learn that. But if you can't answer those questions, the structural gang culture members don't see you as authentic, and they will automatically erect walls to protect their reality because they see you as a threat. So this why it has to remain us teaching and us uh, directing this movement. That's, that's very important, you know, and, uh, you know, on to a different question, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know, you know, how you feel about it, but, you know, how has, uh, uh, receiving, uh, clemency changed your outlook on life, you know, as of right now in the present? Oh, brother, as far as receiving this clemency, now, you know, uh, you know that, 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 uh, in 2010, they vacated my sentence and remanded me for resentencing. What was supposed to happen okay, then is, huh? Yes, sir. No, but look what, look what happened. They were supposed to take me back and resentence me. My maximum would have been only six years and three months. Right? 
That was in yeah. 2010. Six years later, I'm still fighting the same case. So everybody agreed that I wasn't a three-striker and I should have never got three strikes. They're telling me that I was time-born so I couldn't access or get any relief because I was time-born. So, so the clemency thing in and of itself uh, uh, gave me hope. It gave me, uh, uh, it gave me the opportunity that the, that the judicial system didn't want to give me, didn't want to give me. Right? So yeah. it gave it gave me a better it gave me a better perspective, and I you know I've been pushing this since you and I've been walking these yards. So it really didn't change the trajectory of my life because this is what I've been on. A lot of people are just coming to the realization that we need to move as a as, as a as a one people and as one group. But I've been on this, right? You remember? Yeah, real talk. So, real talk. So 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 this is it, it didn't change the trajectory of my life, but I thank. Uh, are those that give me the opportunity in order to get back out into society to breathe life into some of our comrades out there that are living uh, the, the life of an animal with their head bent to the plane of the earth, not realizing the times that we're in and the things that we must be doing in order to be successful as as not only a people but as parts of humanity, right? And and you know and that's one of the main reasons why. You know, as uh, representing Feed the Game, you know, we reached out because I know it was more than just the interview. Like, you had really something going on that, you know, the world can, you know, latch on to for educational purposes, for wisdom, for knowledge right. or intelligence. You know, and a lot of people, you know, they do time, but their spirit is gone with the judge gave them the time. You know? Sure. So they wake up every day looking to play dominoes, looking to play spades, running around, playing games that ain't really essential to their growth and development or their intellectual evolution. So they're put in a position where when we speaking like this, it's foreign to them. It's like we're speaking Chinese or Pakistani or something. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, sir. For real. Yes, sir. Because, you know, me, we used to walk the yard on Walla Walla. It used to be me and you. We couldn't pay a motherfucker to walk with us when they heard we, we were talking. We couldn't talk to nobody else because they wasn't communicating on the same frequency that we were communicating on. And that's where one day you came up with the idea. You said, T-Mobile, man, everybody ain't going to make it. That's right. That's right. Everybody's not going to make it, man. And we always look at the, the example of, of, of us being one of billions and billions of sperm that has been emitted into the vaginal tract. And then it's only one of those sperm that's going to get there and fertilize the egg. Now, when that one sperm gets there and fertilizes the egg, the rest of them have to die off to become nutrition for that one that fertilized the egg, that one that made it. So if it was a struggle to that extreme when we came for us to come into existence, what makes us think that it's not going to be a struggle in that extreme for us to maintain our existence? Oh, wait, that was powerful. That's real talk. That was powerful. That was real talk. Uh, Latexion. So, yes, sir. are you, or actually both of you guys, I want to ask this question to both of you guys, are you guys a firm believer in, uh, you can't teach your old dog new tricks? Or, I mean, is, is there a way to even, um, engage people that are set in their ways, you know, somebody I would say, you know, over the age already that's been living a, a long life so far, somebody 30s, in their 30s or nothing, and they are in the gang culture and they've just been in it for a long time. Is there a certain way that uh, you can engage them, or do you feel like it, is, it just is what it is, and they, if they don't have it, then they just don't have it? Is that, is that pretty much what you're saying, or, or is there a way to, uh, how could we engage them into uh, pushing the movement? 
per se. My, well, well, my, my, my experience, my experience has been you can't treat, teach an old dog new tricks, but the the only way you can teach an old dog new tricks is if the old dog is willing to learn. See, it's not, okay. it's not nobody's nobody's lost to the point where they can't be redeemed. Everybody has the quality to be redeemed, but we can't want for you more than you want for yourself. If you want change. If you won't change, then you, then you will have change. I don't care what age that you get to. But if you don't want change, then you'll never change. And those are the ones that I say are never going to make it. Those are the ones that don't want to make it. And those are the ones that's going to, sadly to say, those are the ones that's going to have to eventually die off and become nutrition for another generation that wants to really move and change the trajectory of, of, of their lives. If you look at the story of, of Moses, and I'm not being religious, I just want to, I just want to look at scripture real quick. If you if you look at if, if you if you look at the if you look at the story of Moses, he there was a there was a 40 day journey that the people turned into a 40 year journey, and the reason why they turned into a 40 year journey because of the older people that was in the mix didn't want to change. They didn't want to go take the city, so God tells Moses. We're going to let the old ones wander in the desert until they die out. And we're going to take these young ones, and we're going to take this city. So this is the position that we're in right now. And when it's talking about old people, then it's talking about old ideologies, old ideologies that people don't want to get rid of. Old ideologies that people want to stay stuck in. Old behaviors that people want to continue to perpetuate because this is all they know. So we have to let those people wander around in the desert, and we have to take those youth. And it's always been the youth. We have, this is the lifeblood of any nation. It's the lifeblood of humanity. It's always the youth that makes the change. So we take those youth, man, and we take back our rightful place in this social construct. And that's not saying that we're better than anybody, but that's saying that we deserve the same access, we deserve the same opportunity, and we have the same, if not a better, superior knowledge than those, uh, than those that have been put in positions of rulership. Hmm. Okay. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta learn them to study Kemet, man, and uh, the history, and uh, you know, from there they'll grasp their understanding. But you know, uh, piggybacking off what you said, that's important because you know, a lot of people, whether it's forty, fifty, sixty, seventy years old, you know, it, it, it's an answer that they have to be willing to seek out. You know. Knowledge. They have to be willing to seek out a higher education, self-actualization, self-mastery, and you know another word for it. Because there's people that's 50 years old, 60 years old, going back to school. That's so right. You can uh, you can teach your old dog new tricks. Matter of fact, the old dog can teach itself a new trick. If it's cool, <laughs> pick up the ball. That's you know right. What I'm that's right. But that's you know, right. It, 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 it's about ambition. It's about digging deep inside and, and bringing to the surface the qualities that God has blessed you with, especially, you know, us of our culture. You know, God has gifted us. You know, we didn't endure a whole lot, you know, not just on the American soil, not even on the American soil, though. Back, you know, in, in our homeland in, in Africa, it wasn't just uh, America where everything started at. You know, we've been going through it to get to it, man, since we before we arrived on these shores of North America. Exactly. You understand what I'm saying? So, you know, it's real important that no matter what age you are, you know, people seek, they strive, they thought, plan, and strategize for a better way. And then those better ways will get sprinkled down and the seeds will get planted to their family members, their associates, their homies, their communities, their organizations, their uh, uh, co-workers, or whatever the case may be. And then we all can 
African-American community, we hold no true wealth. You know, we, we think assets is Cadillacs and, and jewelry. You know, we think uh, investing is, 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 is drugs or, 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 or whatever one you want to choose. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's important that, you know, programs like InStep and, you know, curriculums, you know what I'm saying, as such, you know, give us a tool and give us, you know what I'm saying, the opportunity to uh, really learn something so we can reach back and then we can teach, you know, our community and from the old and to the young, we all can come together at the table and have another million-man march and really push this vision into the next 20, 30 years. So, you know, that's important and that's a, that's a good, that's, that's, that's something real important that you said, tax you know, because, you know, knowing you firsthand, I know you stand on these issues, man, and it's important that, you know, we have more people in the community, you know, with your same mentality, with my same mentality, who's really pushing without an agenda, without ulterior motives, because, you know, they got this uh, head nigga in charge syndrome going on in the political world with the uh, with, with the African-American politicians. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, a lot of these cats are just Johnny on the spot. You know, anybody in the black community gets shot, here they come popping up. They ain't nowhere until somebody got killed by the police or something. Exactly. You know what I'm exactly. saying? They're, 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 so, chasing cameras, they're chasing cameras like like, like lawyers chase ambulances. Me and you, T, we've been here doing this work when this work wasn't, wasn't, wasn't profitable, when this work wasn't, wasn't a, a, a popular opinion, when this work wasn't the thing to do. We've been doing this work. And it's just like you said, it seems to me that the whole struggle has been co-opted by, by, by some people who, who's a, 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 who presents a specific form, but they have no functionality. They present a specific appearance, but they have no substance. And we've been investing in that for far too long, and this is, this is what's wrong with our political, our political uh, 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 representatives now today. Right? And we can no longer let that happen because what, what we're seeing is, what, what we're seeing is, is, is a falsification of human consciousness. And they're, they're erecting that's true, that's true. They're erecting organization that is supposed to serve the needs of the underserved, and they're receiving these grants and these supports from those that language behind these steel curtains. Yes, sir. That that's true. That's true. If somebody want to get at you, we're about to get ready to wrap everything up. But uh, give me your information again. If somebody wants to get at you, we're gonna have yeah, to get I you did. on the show to, again in the future. Yes, sir. And the taxi on the taxi on at Instep Gangology. The taxi on at InstepGangology dot com. T. Oh, Terrell Hill eight eight zero six seven nine at JPay dot com. Holler directly. Hey, the taxi on, man. It was uh, it was. It's been a long time coming, man. But the VP game, we support Instep, we support everything you got going on. So stay in contact, man. And uh, we finna do this again in the future. Yes, sir. Yeah, I love you, comrade. We definitely gotta do this again in the future. All right, love you too, comrade. I love you, comrade.